I just wanted to see what it felt like, he said, to kill Grandma. Ed Kemper was a giant, standing six feet nine inches tall and clocking in at over 300 pounds. He was massive. But this wasn't your cliched, blubbering, idiot kind of giant. His IQ level was off the charts, up to 130 according to certain reports. By comparison, a genius is considered to be 140, so he was just below. Einstein was 160. But Kemper had a troubled childhood, and a strange one. There were a pair of near-death experiences, and a report that he would stalk his second-grade teacher while carrying a bayonet. Another time, his sister was teasing him about kissing that same teacher, because you know how kids are, and he responded with, if I kissed her, I'd have to kill her first. That would be some heavy foreshadowing of what was to come. From 1964 to 1973, Kemper has been proven to have killed 10 people. The first two were his grandparents, and then some hitchhikers. The final two deaths are probably the most gruesome, and give an example of just how demented one man can become. Each hitchhiker he killed in the woods by his mother's house was, well, I'll let you Google it for yourself. After all, we've got to keep the show as close to friendly as possible. The description of what happened in those woods is called necrophilia, and if you remember the quote about the teacher from earlier, you may be able to guess what happened. If I kissed her, I'd have to kill her first. And then, the final two deaths. His mother was beaten to death with a hammer, decapitated, and then her head was used, according to one article, as a dartboard. Oh, and there was more of that necrophilia with his own mother. He also invited his mother's friend over and killed her just to finish the spree. Ed Kemper was around 25 years old at the time, with 10 murders already to his name. And those started as young as 13, with his grandparents. He turned himself into police and requested the death penalty. It was a childhood dream of his to die by the electric chair or lethal injection. It was even a game he played as a kid, when he would pretend to be shocked to death and fall on the floor. In real life, he didn't get his wish. Instead, Kemper is still serving the rest of his life sentence in prison. What would cause a man to do these terrible things? He was diagnosed by many different doctors with different disorders, such as a violent schizophrenic. But the fact of the matter is, nobody can say for certain we don't know him personally and his story. It's reasonable that family issues could have caused some of the problems inside, but there are other people who go through the same things and turn out much differently. Naturally, we blame nature, diseases, medicine, science, anything, but that's the scariest part about serial killers. We don't always know why, and we don't always know who. 
which means it could be any of us. There are young killers, old killers, neighbors, co-workers, friends, and family. Ed Kemper had friends and family. They never saw it coming. Nobody ever does. Neither will you. If you look on Google for what motivates a serial killer, you won't find what's normally considered scary. The results are bland and normal. Things that all of us have experienced. What makes somebody lash out like Ed Kemper did? According to most articles, that blame falls on human feelings. The fear of rejection, the need for perfection, the lust for power, a longing for intimacy, We have all experienced these, and we all will until the day we die. And perhaps that's the most frightening aspect of serial killers, and murders in general. We all feel the same way they do, from time to time. Some serial killers also see themselves as special. Their victims are chosen by them, for them, and should be thankful towards them. In minds of certain people, they are doing good things for that person. And when you do good things for someone, and they don't appreciate it, you tend to get angry. We aren't here to pretend that serial killers aren't angry. There has to be some kind of rage in order to kill somebody. You don't go from, I feel insecure, to, I want to kill, without some steps in between. That anger can come from different places, though. Sometimes, it's a specific anger, like if somebody breaks up with you, or if somebody cheats you. That's definitely a factor, in many cases. Maybe it's just an anger at the world in general, and at life. If enough bad things happen, some people will lose it, and they will be all consumed by anger and by hatred towards everything and everyone. But in the case of Carl Panzram, Neither of these was the major factor. His anger wasn't specific, nor was it extremely broad. In his own words, he described his desire as this. I wish the entire human race had one neck, and I had my hands around it. His anger was at everybody. It wasn't one person, and it wasn't just an anger at life. It was everybody he saw on a day-to-day basis. Could have been you, could have been me, any of us, and all of us. Carl Panzram ran away from home at the young age of 14. By that time, he was already an alcoholic, already in trouble with the law, and had been bullied his entire life at school. He claims to have been beaten so badly that he would be painted with bruises and blood. Those are his words. The worst part is that not all of this was by his peers. His school, the Minnesota State Training School, has since become known for the terrible acts committed inside those walls. Students were raped, beaten, and tortured by teachers and staff. He only went there for two years, but that was enough to permanently damage him. When Carl ran away from home, he spent his time on train cars. These two turned out to be terrible places. The rape, the beatings, and the torture continued, 
often at the hands of a group of men. Once he settled down out west, he was in and out of jail until 1915, age 24. Multiple times, he tried to sign on for the army, but was discharged because of his alcohol problems, which persisted throughout his entire life. This is the moment, like in so many cases of serial killers, where everything could have been different. If he doesn't show up drunk and gets enlisted in the army, is his entire future different? Does he go on to live normally, or possibly die a hero in World War I? We'll never know for sure. It seems possible, but for Carl Panzram, life took a much different path. In 1915, after helping one of his inmates escape from prison, Carl became an accessory to murder when that man killed somebody else. The torture he was already experiencing at the prison got amped up to a whole new level. 61 days in solitary confinement, countless beatings, and despite all of it, or perhaps because all of it, he tried to escape. He even succeeded in late 1917 before recapture. Just a few months later, he finally got out, finally got away, and headed east under a different name. Carl Panzerim would never return. August 1920. Carl robbed the Connecticut home of William H. Taft, former president of the United States. Jewelry, bonds, and other items were found missing, because after all, this man was pretty rich. But that's not what's most important. Most importantly, a gun went missing. With the money he stole and the jewels he sold, Carl bought a yacht and began his murder spree. He wasn't picky about who he killed. Most of them were just sailors from New York bars who happened to be at the wrong bar at the wrong time. He would get them onto the boat, most likely with promises of money and a job, before sailing out to sea. Once they were far enough away from the mainland, he got them drunk, raped them, and killed them with that stolen pistol. The dead bodies began to pile up, as Carl claims to have killed around ten men in this matter. Each one was dumped, of all places, at Execution Rock near Long Island. Then the yacht sank and Carl had to find a new means of murder. Oftentimes, killers get sucked into a kind of addiction. With each murder, that rush gets more and more intoxicating. Already an alcoholic, Carl was used to depending on sub substance for his rush. After those sailors, a new addiction emerged, the need to kill. And when the yacht went down, Carl would find a different way. He always did. Two of his would-be victims escaped when the yacht sank, and so Carl was naturally frightened. With two potential witnesses, he had to get away. With all that money still to be used, he bought a boat ticket to Africa and set up shop again. His first victim was an 11 or 12 year old boy, whose murder is described in graphic detail. I'll spare you the gory specifics. Next, he hired a rowboat of six people and had them take him up the river. Six gunshots later, he threw their bodies into the crocodiles. Sounds a bit like the yacht, doesn't it? For whatever reason, Carl decided that Africa wasn't his final destination. 
he returned to the U.S. and immediately killed two more young boys. On July 18, 1922, he beat one to death with a rock and strangled another one later that year. Both these murders happened in the Northeast. Apparently, there were a handful of other murders between these times that he also confessed to. One man tried to rob him, so he shot the man. That's just one example. A different time, Carl robbed a house and killed the person who lived there. There were many other cases besides these, but these are the two main ones. After those murders, Carl Panzram's ultimate goal seemed to be some type of mass murder, maybe poisoning a city's water source and thereby killing thousands. His ultimate desire was New York City, or maybe Boston, any big city where thousands of people lived, one collective throat, and he wanted his hands around it. In 1928, he was arrested for robbery in Washington, D.C. At first, it was only a 25-year sentence. That ultimately became a life sentence when he killed somebody in the laundry room of the prison, exactly as he'd said. The first words that Carl spoke when coming into the prison was, I'll kill the first man that bothers me. Indeed, he did. Carl Panzram claimed 21 murders, over a thousand rapes, as well as countless robberies. He was hanged on September 5, 1930, after spitting in the guard's face. Before his death, Carl uttered the famous words, I get a kick out of murdering people. And ultimately, that's what most people do, if they continue on with it. They get a kick out of murdering people. According to Panzram himself, there was another plot that never came to fruition. His ultimate goal in life, and his grand scheme, was to take a British warship, bomb New York City with it from the harbor, and provoke a world war between England and America, a war that would kill thousands or millions of people. Ultimately, Panzram's dreamed war of mass destruction came to the world, but it wasn't by any doing of his own. World War I and World War II killed more people than any conflict in history. If Carl was still alive, he would have been proud. This is the first episode in my series of serial killers. It was an idea brought to me by Ansley, a friend on Facebook, which only goes to show how much you can influence this show if you get in touch with me. So please, friend me on Facebook, email me, or just review the podcast and let me know in your review what you want to see done. Besides that, Fear was written and produced by me, David Coomer. The music was found online, as always, from a free site called Incompetech. The song, like always, is perfect for the podcast, and I am saying that as not a professional, just from what I'm hearing. If you're wondering about where I got all this information, you can head to davidcoomer.com where you'll find more information about the podcast, how you can find my research, and how you can help support. If you haven't heard, I also write books, 
which are available on Amazon if you feel the need to read something. They're inexpensive, but they are thrilling, so I hope you enjoy. Please, 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 extra please, if you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere that you listen. It helps me, and it helps our show come to the top of the charts. If you have any questions, or any comments, or any suggestions, davidcoomer7 at gmail.com is the place you can find me. You can email me there, and I will always answer. There are tons of stuff you can find on my website, so go check it out, or on Facebook. As we always say, leave the lights on.